0: back everybody you believe we conned a super smart person to joining us today welcome to queer halftime my name's becca my pronouns are she they and i'm here with my stupendous co-host kelsey my name is kelsey my pronouns are also she they and kelsey have you noticed there's a third person
1: on the call today you know yeah it's usually just you and I staring at each other all hours of every day, so this is nice. Hi, Jonah. <laughs> yeah,
0: hi, Jonah.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, we're
0: so happy to have you. Uh, what do you want people to know about you?
2: Um, My name is Jonah Elke. I use he, him, or they, them pronouns, so I'm a he, they. Um, there's a lot of us two-pronoun people in the room today. I, I uh, am the prevention and education lead at HIV Edmonton. So I support all of the education work um, that we do at our agency. And that's a big part of our agency's work. Um, it's so fun. I really love my job. I am a parent. I am a partner. I have three queer youth who live with me. Um, so it's, it can be a little chaotic sometimes, but I love them very much and they teach me things every day. I am queer. I'm trans. I am an educator, I'm a student, I sort of, I, I think that my life philosophy is really kind of around always being a student and a learner. So I, I'm here to, to talk to you all about something I know a lot about, but um, I'm excited to kind of hear what you all have to say about it too, because I, I really appreciate that sort of reciprocal learning.
0: Awesome. We're so excited. I was so happy when you said you'd come on. <laughs> um, so we this is our second week doing like a word or concept of the week, just trying to build a shared vocabulary. So everybody understands what everybody else is talking about. Um, so Jonah, do you want to define harm reduction
2: for us? Oh, for sure. So most of what I know about harm reduction, I learned from Marlis Taylor at Streetworks. Streetworks is a really cool agency in the city that does a lot of the harm reduction programming in the city. Um, So they do things like needle exchange and uh, they support safe consumption sites and stuff. So Marlis is just a really cool person and you should reach out to her if you ever have any questions about that. Harm reduction is a philosophy. It's a way of thinking about practice our practice in communities. Um, And it while it it has been sort of extended to include things like safer sex and sex work, it is really focused around the idea of supporting people who use substances. So um, in our society, we have a lot of ideas about what it means when people use substances. We shame people, we judge them, um, we believe that people um, don't deserve care if they use substances, but harm reduction is a different philosophy than that. It thinks about what people need to keep themselves as safe and as healthy as possible. It allows people a space to articulate their health goals. So like, what do you want for yourself and your body? What do you need to be able to get there? So that means that, abstinence from substances, so like not using substances, isn't something that's on the table for everyone, and that's okay. Harm reduction approaches people where they're at and says, like, what do you need to live the happy, healthy life that you want, um, regardless of kind of where people are at with with not using, right? Um, So harm reduction, when we look at it in communities, kind of the most visible parts are really sort of three things. We see needle and syringe programs. We have one of these at HIV Edmonton. So if people come by and they are looking for new needles or syringes um, for using substances, they can pick them up with us and they can, that encourages people to use new equipment every time they use substances. Um, There's programs that are called like opioid agonist therapy, which is a fancy way of saying um, they give you sort of a pharmaceutical version of the opioid drugs that you'd be using so that um, you can, it helps people deal with cravings and helps people sort of take addictions kind of off the front of their mind so that they can focus on things like housing and getting their life the way that they would want it to be. And then the third um, sort of prong that we see most often in community are called safe consumption sites. So these are places where people can bring their own substances and then they would use them in a safe environment. So this allows people to um, access care if they need it, if they um, are uh, suffering, like if they experience a drug poisoning and they're overdosing, you can get care right there. You don't need to find someone to take care of you, That everybody's there. It's often a really good place for people to like get snacks and get connected with like social workers and stuff too. So extending that sort of to sex too, um, we can think about it, about harm reduction as um, the things that we do to keep ourselves safe. There's no sex that is sort of without any risk at all. Uh, Well, that's not true. There's a few things we can do that have very minimal risk, but in general, sex has some risk. And so what choices can we make to reduce that risk, um, to to reduce that harm? Yeah, I I like to think about it really, I wanna focus on, I wanna center um, that substance use idea because that's really where these ideas are coming from. But we have seen that sort of trickle out into other, really it's around like stigmatized behaviors, right? Things that our culture has a lot of like shame and feelings about, um, but really we're looking to support people where they're at and empower them to reach their health goals.
0: Awesome, I love that like philosophy so
1: much. I think it does so much good. And it relates so much to the queer youth i like i think right because like all of our queer youth are in such vulnerable positions and they're always engaging in high-risk behaviors and youth as a whole i like to think are always engaging in high-risk behaviors but we have such a vulnerable community right so like all of those things as you're talking about them i can identify one youth that would benefit from each of those harm reduction concepts right so So important. That's so interesting that it's got so many branches because you always think of it in substance use, but you don't think of it always in the other ways, too.
2: Yeah. And I think it points out something that um, is like a flaw in the way that we're sort of talking about substance use and sex work and sex um, that we don't give youth the information that they need to be able to make healthy choices. And so people are making choices that, like, and I heard you say high risk. I avoid that language actually myself uh, because all sexual behavior, all drug use behavior has some sort of risk associated with it. Right. And so I think we sometimes say that like behavior is high risk and we, we do that to separate us from that behavior. Right. So we're saying like those people are doing high risk things and I'm doing not high risk things because I'm perfect. Um, but we all have sex. We, not all of us, obviously there are people who don't have sex. Many of us, most of us have sex. Many of us use substances. And that's okay, right? What can we do to keep ourselves as safe as we can, as safe as we want to be? Um, and so, yeah, I like to sort of move away from that high risk, low risk thing, just because I know, like, you know, straight people in monogamous relationships have sex without condoms all the time. Is that something we think of as high risk? No, but it, it, totally. it is. there's risk.
1: Oh, I love that because like one of the things that Becca and I are constantly talking about is this othering language, this us versus them. So thank you for grounding us in that. That is like a perspective I don't think I would have ever thought about because you're right. I'm like, I engage in some of those high risk behaviors, but like why? Yeah, it's they're just behaviors. They're just things you're doing because you're human and you enjoy them and that's okay. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for that, Jonah. Um, and I'm going to kind of let you take the lead today because you're here to like do some myth busting and some educating. And I was going to do like an Adam Savage and Jamie Heinemann joke off the top. And then I remembered that they like hate each other. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, maybe not the best comparison. Uh, but yeah, why don't you take us away here?
2: Take it away. That's dangerous, <laughs> Becca. This you're, you're really, yeah, you're taking a risk letting me just talk. Um, but that's okay. I'll I'll allow this. Uh, yeah, so when, I, when you said that you wanted me to sort of bust some myths about HIV and STIs, um, so just if, in case you don't know, STI stands for sexually transmitted infection. Sometimes we say um, sexually transmitted and bloodborne infection because some of the STIs that we think of are actually not transmitted through sex all the time. So something like HIV or hep C, even syphilis can be transmitted through things like substance use, which we've been talking about. Um, so sometimes we expand it and say STBBI, but that's like a long way of thinking about it. So yeah, so I sat down and kind of thought about some of the things that come up the most often. I do a lot of presentations, our team does a lot of presentations and we hear from community kind of the different ideas that they have about HIV and STIs. Um, The first one that came to mind that I think comes up the most often is this idea that people, people think that they will know if they have an STI, so that includes HIV. So they say, if I have an STI, I'll have symptoms and then I'll know. So I don't need to think about it until I have symptoms. We know that a lot of STIs actually don't have really obvious symptoms, or if they do have symptoms, they're things that are really, really easy to ignore. So like for HIV, when when you first acquire HIV, when you first get HIV, you might get kind of fluish. You might feel sort of achy and tired. You might feel sort of off, but you won't necessarily have those symptoms and then think HIV right away, right? Those are the symptoms of COVID. Those are the symptoms of the flu. Those are the symptoms of a cold. It's really hard to sort of identify that that's what those symptoms are. And the same goes for syphilis. Syphilis, we get a sore in the first stage of syphilis, um, and that sore could be hidden somewhere. It might be on your cervix or in your butt, it might be in your throat. And so if you have the sore and you can't see it, it's really hard to know it's there, but then syphilis also that sore might not hurt or itch either. So now you have a sore you can't feel and you can't see, and so it's like a symptom that you would maybe not even know you it was there, right? So we really like to um, to point this out in our in our work that we sort of are always waiting for those symptoms to happen, and that's the time when that we'll go get tested, but it's often at that, like we often won't even know that the symptoms that we're having are the symptoms of an STI or we won't have symptoms at all. That's really common too. Um, Another thing that comes up a lot is that like HIV is something that was a big deal back in like the 80s and 90s. And now it's like a thing of the past. We like don't need to worry about it anymore. It is old news. We need to worry about COVID. We don't need to worry about HIV. I looked it up and it looks like on average every year. Edmonton, like our whole, our city, I live in Edmonton. I know y'all are in St. Albert, but um, in Edmonton, I think it's actually the whole Edmonton zone. So it includes St. Albert. uh, We have about a hundred new HIV transmissions per year that we detect. So the people who are getting tested. Um, And that doesn't maybe seem like a lot to you if it's like a hundred out of a million people, but because HIV is an illness that you have for your whole life, that's a hundred new people in Edmonton every year. And that's just adding on to the hundred people that we had last year and a hundred people the year before that. So this is something that does, actually impact our city. It's something that um, is really present. HIV is something that people are still struggling with. And because uh, we've made a lot of advances in the way that we can care for people living with HIV, which we'll talk about um, when we sort of start talking about prevention stuff a little bit later, um, because the medications are so good, people are living for a really long time with HIV. People with HIV can live just as long as they would have if they hadn't gotten HIV because of these medications are so great. So that means that we also aren't seeing deaths the way that we did. People definitely still die from HIV or if they're dying from AIDS, they're not dying from HIV. Um, people are still dying of AIDS, that's a real thing. But now we also have this issue where we're, we're dealing with new infections, but we're also supporting people who have acquired HIV in the last 40 years, the 40 years that we've been dealing with HIV um, in North America. So. HIV definitely isn't a thing of the past. It is still with us. It's still something we have to think about. And we're actually in a really cool place when it comes to HIV prevention. There's a lot of new strategies out there. Um, they even are starting trin- or, sorry, clinical trials on a vaccine for HIV. Um, Moderna just uh, announced it this past week. So we're, we're still in the like new developments phase. There's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline. And HIV is something we should still be thinking about.
0: Amazing.
2: Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like we could get vaccinated for HIV. That's totally
0: that's amazing. amazing. Wow. And could you just wow. quickly clarify the difference between HIV and AIDS? Cause that's something I only learned like a couple years ago.
2: Oh, for sure. That's one we hear a lot. Um, so it, this is something that happens because of the way that our culture talks about HIV. We always say HIV AIDS, we say um, we use HIV and AIDS interchangeably. We say HIV when we mean AIDS and we say AIDS when we mean HIV. Um, this is, so if you if you think that HIV and AIDS are the same thing, it's not really your fault. It's because culture did this to us, but they're separate. So HIV is the virus. It stands for human immunodeficiency virus. So um, like COVID is a virus, right? It's just, it's just an infectious particle that um, you can take into your body and it, it starts to replicate or make new copies of itself in your body. If you have HIV for a really long time, um, you can develop AIDS. AIDS is like a late stage of HIV. And we say that someone has AIDS when they have HIV. Um, and so part of how HIV works is that it causes a weakening of our immune system over time. So our immune system, i we're all really aware of our immune system right now because of all the COVID talk, but uh, it's the part of our body that sort of protects us from invaders like bac- bacteria and viruses and parasites. So HIV attacks the system that's meant to attack it. It's very sneaky. And that's part of why it lives so easily in our body for so long. So we have HIV. It's hurting our immune system. Our immune system gets weaker and weaker over time. And then after about 10 years, that's about the average, um, your immune our immune systems get so weak that we can get other infections that someone with a healthy immune system wouldn't normally get. So these are things like cyclomegalovirus, um, certain kinds of tuberculosis. Sometimes people get an oral yeast infection. There's a few different kinds of like skin cancers that people get. And these are infections that we don't normally see in in folks with a healthy immune system. So if you are living with HIV and you get one of these other infections, we call them opportunistic infections. You can think about it like it's taking advantage of the opportunity that your weakened immune system provides. That's why they call it that. So you've got HIV, you've got one of these opportunistic infections, then you have AIDS. Back in the 80s and 90s, if you got AIDS, you normally would die. That's, that's what happened. We didn't have um, the medications that we needed to save someone at that point. But now because our medications are so good, we understand AIDS better, we can actually bring people from having AIDS back to just having HIV. So if you clear that opportunistic infection, you get rid of that tuberculosis or that oral yeast infection, whatever it is, You can go back to just having HIV again if you get everything under control. So we're in a really different place than we were back in the 80s and 90s. People tend to think like HIV always leads to AIDS and AIDS always leads to death. But that's not where we are anymore. And we have a lot of work to do to push back against those uh, old beliefs that we have.
0: I had no idea you could like step it back from AIDS. That's amazing.
2: Right? Yeah, it's not true for everyone. So something that comes up in our work a lot is that, um, the idea of health equity. So not everybody in our society has the same access to healthcare systems as everybody else. So, um, I'm a queer person. I'm a trans person. Uh, for instance, I I have a trans body, my body, (laughs) I've been waiting for surgeries for like five years and the government is not paying for them. So it's, it's really slow. It's have a very trans looking body. And so when I go to the emergency room, I'm really worried about how they're going to react to my body. We have laws in Alberta now that mean that physicians can deny me care if they feel like they are uncomfortable treating me. And so that could mean that I die if I go to the wrong hospital. Right. So if we extend that to HIV and we're thinking about that, when we see HIV or communities that are disproportionately impacted by HIV, so communities who have more HIV than sort of the mainstream population, it's not because of anything that they're doing wrong or differently, it has to do with the access to healthcare. So when people feel afraid or unable or unaware of how to access healthcare, they are more prone to getting things like HIV and STIs because they don't know how to prevent them because we don't make that available to people. So when we're thinking about this process of moving back, like when somebody has AIDS and they go back to having HIV, that's possible if you can access healthcare. If you aren't in a place where you can access healthcare, say you're using substances and you're really worried about judgment if you go to the doctor, um, you're really worried they're gonna tell you you have to quit and you just aren't in a place where you can do that. Or maybe you've experienced a lot of racism the last time you went to the doctor and you just don't wanna go back, right? then folks in those situations are not going to be able to recover from AIDS and they will die. And that's something we still hear, um, that people are still dying of AIDS because our healthcare systems are so hard for people to access. Um, yeah, sorry. That was like heavy. Oh no, it's, it's
0: great. Like people need to know more about that.
1: Totally. It's super important. Like even myself, I'm a white queer person and I I identify as a gender non-conforming but I appear female and that really keeps me safe. So like, yeah, I can like, that really grounds me in like, yeah, the fact that people have some really intense experiences, even when they're just going to get help.
2: Yeah. And we think about healthcare as being this like system that's supposed to be keeping us alive. Right. And so, because that's, it's, it's, it's focus. We tend to really think about it as something that is safe, but we all know, that it's it's not that way for a lot of people. People don't feel able to like to say what they need. People feel judgment, people feel um people are like violence is enacted upon people in the healthcare system. Um and if we are someone who is a person of color, if we're someone who is queer or trans, if we're visibly different in some way, um this can impact us. And I should say, too, this impacts people who are living with HIV every day, too. Um, I know some folks who put on a whole face of makeup before they go to the emergency room because they don't want people to treat them differently because they're living with HIV. Sometimes people get outed. Like, I heard a story recently where someone was telling me that they had gone to get like a minor surgery or something. And one of the nurses was like, So I'm going to tell all the other nurses on the floor that you have HIV. So, like, don't even worry about it. And this person was like, No, (laughs) that's not helpful. Like, I know you think this is helpful, but this is not, nobody needs to know this about me. It's not relevant to them or my care. Like, no, don't do that. But this is something that's still happening all the time. And sometimes we think about healthcare, like HIV is a health condition. So clearly healthcare workers will always know everything they need to know about HIV and how to take care of somebody. But in our health education, we don't people don't get a lot of education about HIV and especially about the social aspects of it. They might get, understand how the virus works, but they don't necessarily understand like how to treat someone who has a very highly stigmatized um, health condition like HIV. Right. So that's something that we hear about a lot in our work too. Uh, that discrimination happens within the healthcare system as much as it happens outside the healthcare system.
0: That's appalling. That's that's got to be some kind of privacy violation.
2: You would think so. Yeah. So I bringing it back to maybe some of these myths, um, another one that comes up a lot, which I think is really relevant to this situation or this conversation, is that HIV is a gay disease. So back in the 80s, it was even named gay related immune deficiency. So like right out of the gate, Doctors were really excited to blame this on gay people um, and especially gay men. Like that's what a- that's what HIV and AIDS were sort of about back in the eighties. And that idea, that history still persists today. I still hear from community members, like, like that's a gay problem. Like, do I need to worry about that? And I know we're talking like to queer youth right now. Uh, so like, yes, queer people do need to think about HIV but everybody needs to think about HIV. In Canada every year, m- most infections, most new HIV transmissions are happening in straight people, um, through things that are not like queer sex, like sex between two men uh, is the primary mode. Um, so it's not a gay disease. It's something that happens to straight people. It happens through substance use. It happens, um, at work. Sometimes people get stuck with a needle and HIV is transmitted. That's pretty rare, but it does happen. So we We still are sort of stuck in the past a little bit that way. We think about HIV as something that only impacts gay men, and that's not really true. It's kind of cool, though, because HIV disproportionately impacts gay men. Like, I'm not going to hide from that fact. That's true. Um, And that's because of homophobia within healthcare systems. Doctors don't know how to treat queer patients. They don't know how we have sex. They don't know what we need. And they don't really, they often, I'm spending a lot of time pooping on doctors today, but I love doctors. They're great people. Um, also there's a lot of harm that's done in the healthcare system. Okay. So because physicians don't always know how to treat queer patients, people don't have the information that they need. And so they, they can't prevent something that they don't know about. Um, but there is a lot of acceptance around HIV within the queer community. It's definitely not, um, Like, if we're comparing like straight folks and queer folks, there's more acceptance within the queer community. It's not perfect. There's definitely a lot of discrimination that still happens, like lateral violence or discrimination towards people living with HIV. But there are a lot of really cool advances that are only really happening because of the queer community. Like, I'm not sure that like PrEP rollout, so PrEP, um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, is a medication that you can take to prevent HIV. And I- It's been something that's been really embraced by the queer community in a way that I'm not sure would happen if it was something that disproportionately impacted straight people. Um, The PrEP access campaigns are amazing and they're really led by queer organizations. One more kind of myth that I think is like super important to address is how HIV is transmitted. Sometimes uh, one of the, the most common misconception that we hear It happens in literally every single presentation that we do, someone says that HIV is transmitted through saliva, so spit. If you think about what that means, it means that we have to worry about HIV transmission when people are kissing, when you're sharing a cup or a straw or a fork with someone, if you are kissing someone's face, if it's transmitted through saliva, all of these things are really scary. But HIV is not transmitted through saliva saliva doesn't contain enough HIV to transmit to another person. So first of all, this means you can kiss literally anyone and not worry about HIV transmission, which I I just think it's amazing. Like who doesn't want more freedom to just smooch whoever. Um, But it also means that like, you can share a drink, you can, you don't need to think about HIV transmission, except for in really specific scenarios. So there's five fluids that contain HIV, enough HIV to transmit it to another person, blood, semen, vaginal fluids, anal secretions, which we call butt juice, it's just the fluids that our butt makes, it's really sexy, but it's there. Um, and uh, breast or chest milk. So if you're not interacting with one of those five fluids, there's no risk of HIV transmission. You don't have to worry about it. Um, and I write that like, I am so not perplexed, but it's, it's so interesting to me how much this like saliva idea comes up. And it like, I'm not joking. It is every single presentation that I do, it it comes up. Um, and I don't know where this where this came from. I don't know who decided this, but everybody seems to think it's transmitted through saliva. And it's just not a thing at all. That's so
1: interesting. I totally thought for a very long time that it was transmitted through saliva until attending one of your previous presentations. And you were like, no. And
0: I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> like it's wild. Yeah, because you think bodily fluids, right? So you're like, oh, saliva's a bodily fluid. That's got to be one of them.
2: Nope. Um, yeah, it's it's great. But this like particular myth has a lot of really negative consequences for people living with HIV, right? Like I think people don't realize how much social isolation people living with HIV experience because of that particular myth. People think you can get it through a hug, like through casual contact like COVID, right? People are afraid. And so they imagine all of these scenarios where the transmission could happen. And that's just not true. So when people are diagnosed with HIV, often their friends and family will start to create distance from them and say like, I'm afraid of transmission. I don't want you to be at dinner. I am not comfortable hugging you anymore. You're changed, yuck. Um, But it doesn't make any sense, right? Like we need to be engaging in some activity that brings us in contact with blood, semen, vaginal secretions, anal secretions, or breast or chest milk. And if none of those things are happening, we don't need to worry about transmission. Which is so freeing. freeing. That's amazing. Yeah. Like we can relax. Wow. That's yeah, that is wild.
1: Huh? I'm so curious. I have kind of a curious question. You mentioned off the cuff that the odds of you getting HIV from like a needle prick are like pretty slim. That's one myth, but, or the one thing that I hear a lot is people are like, oh, like if there's a needle on the street, you don't want to touch it, stay away because you might get HIV. So is that that's not true?
2: HIV is a very fragile virus. So it only lives about 30 seconds exposed to the air. So if you think about a needle, it's going into your body and then you take it out and it has some blood on it. First of all, it has a very small amount of blood on it, like super small. Um, so there's like, there's not a lot of opportunity. And then as soon as that needle is exposed to air, we have about 30 seconds where if there was HIV on it, it could be transmitted. Wow. And then it's, it's not a risk anymore. Hep C is a different STBBI that is a little bit more robust. Um, it can live a little bit longer on surfaces, but still I heard Marlis Taylor from street Works say just last week, Um, that there's only a few documented cases worldwide of people getting hep C from a a discarded needle on the street. It's just not really something that happens. If we're in a situation where a needle is going straight from one person's body directly into our body, say we're administering an injection and we accidentally poke ourselves with the needle, it's a little bit more likely because it's, if you think about the timing, right? Like it's straight from your body to my body, Um, but on the street, yeah, we don't need to worry. like, be careful. Don't intentionally put yourself with a needle you find on the street, but we don't need to be afraid. It's, it's okay. Like grab it by the hub, grab it with some like little pinchy, we use like tongs at work a lot. Um, you know, find a safe way to pick it up and discard it in a safe way where you're not going to stab yourself, but it's really nothing to be afraid of.
1: Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I like, I remember
2: just
0: so much fear mongering. There would be rumors, but like, oh, like if you're in a big crowd, there might be someone like jabbing people with HIV needles. It's like,
1: what are you talking about? I remember hearing that too.
2: What? So yeah, that was like a rumor when I was growing oh, up. Like, First of all, where are they getting these needles from? Like, I want to know. Yeah. That's strange. Also, like why? Like, Like, I know people are malicious sometimes, but like, that's not, yeah.
1: And what crowd? I want to know what crowd they're in. <laughs> like specifically let me know because hey the St. Albert rumor mill was
0: wild in school. Like
2: <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the like razor blade Halloween candy myth. I don't know if it's a myth. am yeah. sure it's happened a few times in society but yeah. It's,
0: yeah people have actually studied like the drugs in Halloween candy and it's usually like Somebody made edibles and got really high and accidentally mixed them up. Yeah. Or like things like that. Like it's very, very rare and it's not
2: like people aren't drugging your children. Right. Like that's no. not fun. Like you don't get to. Yeah. Like if you're going to have drugs, why would you give them away like, to children? Very yeah. Expensive. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's expensive. <highly laughs> no, thank you. So. I had like mentioned a few different prevention ideas. So I was wondering if we could like transition into talking about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So prevention, there's like a lot of different ways to prevent HIV and STIs and people tend to think about condoms. And that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, but there's, there's actually a lot of things we can do right off the bat. I like testing is the best thing we can do. If we test For STIs, we can treat those STIs and that treatment always makes the STIs less likely to be transmitted. So preventing transmission starts with testing. We, have a lot of different options to get tested to. Back in the day, I remember just thinking about the STI clinic and that was it, but there's so many different options now. You can actually go to any family doctor or walk-in clinic and request an HIV and STI test. Um, Sometimes they won't give you an HIV test. They'll look at you and they'll be like, I don't think you're at risk. And sometimes they've done that to me without even like asking me any questions about what I'm doing, which seems wild to me. Like, you don't know. You don't know what I do in my spare time. Like, you don't know me. Yeah, what, What I could be doing so many things anyway. Uh, so you can ask, you have the right to request a test when you feel it's necessary. So, um, yeah, you can go to family doctor walk-in clinic Just say, Hey, I want to get tested for STIs and HIV and they'll give you the lab rec and you'll go to the lab and they'll take your blood and you'll pee in a cup probably, and you're good to go. There's a few different STIs that are tested with blood tests. So it's HIV, syphilis, and hep C. Um, and then gonorrhea, chlamydia are tested through pee. So it's usually like, that's usually what it looks like. Sometimes they swab things. So they might take like a little Q-tip and swab your throat. If they're worried about a throat infection, um, they might swab your butt. They might swab your vagina, or your penis. But usually most of the time they're going to get you to pee in a cup and take some blood and that's it. And it's an easy, quick lab appointment. The other place we can go, so we can go to the STI clinic, their hours have shifted because of COVID. So it's recommended that you call the day you want to be seen. So if I wanted to be, if I wanted to have a STI appointment today, I would have called at like 830 today. And I would have gone in at some point today. Um, We can also get tested at HIV Edmonton. We have a nurse on staff now, and she's amazing. She's super cool. She's very harm reduction oriented to bring it back to the concept of the day. She doesn't ask a lot of invasive questions. She's super chill. And so you can just come to our office. We're all very friendly. It's a really easy place to get tested. Um, And if you're a queer youth and you're just find yourself in downtown Edmonton for some reason, um, you can stop by our office. We are right near the Royal Alex uh, Hospital. So that is three things. And there's one more. We also have these really cool programs now um, who offer self-testing. So it's kind of just like those COVID rapid tests that we all have it's like a cartridge and you poke yourself with this little lancet thing and you drop a little bit of blood into this cartridge and then it you wait a little bit of time and it tells you whether you're hiv positive which is amazing so that's a great way for people to take their health information into their own hands right like i don't need to worry about discrimination within the healthcare system if i'm the one testing myself i don't have to worry about all these invasive questions because I'm the one asking the questions to myself. Like it's, it's really chill. So then people also have the choice to access care if they want to, um, they, they can. So when you, if you test positive on a rapid or on a um, self-test, it's recommended you go and uh, get tested with like a blood test, like a real, a real test, not a real test, an official test, uh PCR probably test. Um, oh, I should not, <laughs> I should not use medical words so I'm not hundred percent sure that that's how we're getting tested the Oh the us All good. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, everyone. Um, so there's usually a follow-up test. There we go. Uh, they recommend you get follow-up tested, but you get to have that, you have that choice um, if you are using a, a self-test, which is really cool. Um, so if you have any questions about self-testing, you can get a hold of me. Um, my email address is on the HIV Edmonton website. My name is Jonah, or it's just j o n a h . e E at hive And I'm super eager to answer any of your questions about uh, self-testing. Okay. So we talked about testing. Testing is our first prevention strategy. The next is condoms. Condoms are like a classic since the eighties. We've been like obsessed with condoms. Condoms are really great. If you are able to use them, if you like using them and if, if you're doing it, (laughs) that sounds funny. Of course you're doing it. If you are, if you have the condoms and you're willing to use the condoms, condoms are great. But like one of my favorite condom use errors Cause I just think it shows the flaws of condoms really, really clearly is when people have a conversation, they're like, we're going to use condoms later. I have them. They're next to my bedside table. We're going to use condoms to protect each other from STIs and pregnancy. It's amazing. We've got the condoms We're we're going to have sex. And then in the heat of the moment, we just don't use them. <laughs> right. It's such a human <laughs> error. You're like, I have everything we need and I'm just not going to do it, but right. Like condoms change the way sex feels like, let's be real. Some people like that, some people don't.
0: Yeah. Also, I didn't know, like, no one had ever shown me how to properly use a condom until your presentation, like, two weeks
2: ago. (laughs) Like, I'm 27. (laughs) Yeah. Like, before I worked for HIV Edmonton, I thought I knew how to use a condom. I was like a fairly slutty person. Like, I had had a lot of sex in my life. So I was like, yeah, condoms. I know how to do this. I watched that video from Alberta Health Services and I was like, oh, dang. I had no idea how to do this. There's so many more steps than I thought. And all of those steps add in some of some yeah. error, right? Like if you put it with scissors, you're cutting the condom. If you use your teeth, you're ripping the condom. If you don't use lube, you can tear the condom. If you put it on backwards, it's not going to work. Like there's all of these pieces. And if we don't teach people how to do something, how, why are we expecting people to do it flawlessly? It doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. Some other like condoms that we can use. We normally think about the condoms that go on a penis, right? We call them external condoms. Um, some people call them male condoms, but that's not really my vibe. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with your gender. So like, why would we call 100%. it that? But condoms that go on a wiener. Those um, are one option, but we have some others too. So like internal condoms, some people call them female condoms. Again, not really my, my jam. Um, those are condoms that you can put inside your body and you can put them your body like well advanced of sex so if you wanted to have sex later you could put the internal condom in now and then like i think it's i can't remember exactly what the package says it's either like eight to 12 hours somewhere in there before you need it um you can put it in i know people think about it for vaginal sex only but you can also use them for anal sex um and they're super cool we have them at hiv edmonton if you want oh i should i should plug this we have free condoms for anyone um including youth uh, we have a high school, like just down the street and I just, I can't go and like tell them to come and get our condoms. That's weird. But I just want to like yell from down the road, like kids, there's condoms. over here. <laughs> Um, cause uh, just so many free condoms. I'm like, why aren't you coming to our office to get them? So yeah, free condoms, free internal condoms, free dental dams, free lube. We've got you. We also have drug use equipment. If that's something you're into, um, come, come on down and pick up your free stuff from us. Um. Yeah, condoms. Was there anything I missed? Can you think of that?
0: I don't think so. Although Outloud also has a bucket of various types of condoms that the kids giggle at, but it's
1: there. We are stocked. We are actually stocked by yeah. H.I.V. Edmonton wow. our condoms. Shout out.
2: So, <laughs> yeah. If you have any community groups also. We love giving people big boxes of free condoms. So, um get a hold of me again. I am the person who does that. Um, I'm so glad you have our condoms. I'm so, I, I'm sure I remember you emailing me, but my brain is made of garbage. Oh yeah, they're
0: in a big bucket that just says condoms, like in all
2: caps. <laughs> uh, that's pretty really fun. Like there's flavors, there's flavored dams. I once was facilitating a sexuality discussion group and we talked, we had a day where we just taste tested different flavored like sex products like lubes and um, dental dams and condoms. It made the garbage can at this hostel we were meeting at like very funny because it just looked like it had some sort of like wild sex party or something. But really we were just a bunch of nerds sitting there like licking dental dams being like, give this one a one out of five
1: yeah you, I, you always wonder what those flavored ones taste like and like I don't have sex with people with penises so I have no excuse to taste a flavored condom like a like a external external a flavored external condom thank you a flavored internal condom yeah. I got a lot to, like I can find a reason but like or a dental dam but like a flavored external condom I always feel like those like we live in such a patriarchal society I feel like that's better <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it did i can't remember i need to re you know retaste test the what condoms you do <laughs> I to, yeah yeah if out loud wants me to come with a box full of like, sex products to, it seems weird to do with kids as an activity but like it's actually fairly wholesome. i don't know maybe our 18 plus group but <laughs> <laughs> they would yep. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be a really sexy fun time and mostly it's just a really dorky time I because everyone's taking condoms out of wrappers and like trying to hold them so they can lick them it's just a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's just recently it. the whole thing is- um everyone has lube all over their hands it's all sticky and weird it- yeah it's a fun, <laughs> hilarious. I highly recommend it. um yeah okay so we talked about testing we talked about condoms let's talk about PrEP. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. And this is one of the like newer technologies I was sort of alluding to earlier. Um, PrEP is this amazing medication that people who are HIV negative can take to prevent HIV. It was an HIV medication they still use it for HIV treatment, but they discovered that if HIV negative people take it, they don't get HIV. So this has just changed the world of sex for for a lot of people. Right. Um, it's something that's been like super embraced by the queer community in particular, like especially gay men or men who have sex with men, but, um, I shouldn't engage in bi erasure. I'm like erasing my, erasing my own people here. <laughs> um, sorry, bisexuals and pansexuals of the world. Um, it's been really embraced by, uh, men who have sex with men, but it's something that anybody could use. Um, it's the, um, amount that it works, like the efficacy, the percent that it works to prevent HIV is directly related to how often people take it. So if you are taking it, it's recommended you take it absolutely every single day to get like a hundred percent benefit. Sometimes people think about it as like the birth control for HIV, um, which I think is actually a pretty okay analogy, right? We take birth control every day. We take it in advance of needing it to prevent some outcome of sex, which is pregnancy in the case of birth control. Same thing with PrEP. It's a medication that we take in advance of needing it. We take it every day to prevent a later HIV transmission. Um, PrEP is free for a lot of people. I really like, I'm going to plug like a company my friend works for. Um, Gofreddy.com is an amazing service to access PrEP from the comfort of your own home. All you have to do is go get tested at like a testing lab. The rest of it, you have you do at home. You do all the doctor's appointments virtually, and then they mail your meds to you. So this has been something that's had like great impact for people who are living in remote communities where maybe um, a doctor who knows a lot about queer sex isn't available for you um, there maybe isn't someone who can prescribe prep for free in your community and so Freddie like is just killing it their work is so cool and their ads are just so beautiful um, so I, I don't know every time I see their advertising materials I'm like oh, I feel like represented <laughs> um, it's like very good queer representation it's like a lot of different bodies which I just I appreciate so much
0: oh yeah if you hadn't mentioned them I was going to Um, and I'll, in the the episode descriptions, I'll link HIV Edmonton and
2: Freddie. That's so great. We appreciate that so much. I just love their work. Um, yeah. Okay. So the next one I'm going to talk about is HIV treatment, um, as HIV prevention. This is probably the most important prevention strategy that I could talk about. Um, oh, I forgot to say something really important about condoms. Condoms prevent... Um, all STIs, most STIs, they don't prevent um, herpes uh, simplex virus transmission if the transmission is happening on the outside of kind of where the condom covers. The condoms protect you from transmission that's happening right on the penis, um, but not on the, like people get uh, herpes like around their junk too, like uh, where their pubic hair grows kind of. It also doesn't, they don't prevent Human human papillomavirus, HPV transmission for the same reason. It happens through skin to skin contact. So any place that the skin's touching that isn't covered by the condom, we can have transmission. Good to know. Okay. PrEP only works for HIV and HIV treatment as prevention only works for HIV. So the benefit of condoms is that it's sort of like a holistic global prevention strategy. Um, same with testing, right? Testing is going to prevent everything, but PrEP and HIV treatment are really only for HIV. Um, HIV treatment as prevention. So we're at this really amazing place right now where if you are living with HIV and you take medications and those medications work, you can get to a place where the amount of HIV in your body is so low that you actually can't transmit it to anyone. Even if you tried, even if you were like, I'm gonna transmit HIV. I don't know why you would do that, but say you wanted, you just wanted to do it. You couldn't, it just isn't possible if you're taking your meds every day it's called the like slogan for that is called undetectable equals untransmittable or you equals you. So undetectable is this idea that our virus is so low that it's undetectable. If we did a standard HIV test, it's amazing. Like that is where our meds are at now. People think about HIV as like this chronic manageable condition and people are like transmitting it all the time. That's not what's happening. When people are taking their meds and their meds are working and they're effective, people actually get to a place within like three months to a year of taking meds where they can't transmit it to anyone. So this like kills all of the stigma that we have, right? If we all knew this, no one would be afraid of people living with HIV, which is unfortunately a reality for a lot of people still. We still, I feel that in our communities that people are afraid but people can't transmit it one of the things i like to say so much like in when i'm talking about u equals u is that because we're only like our sexual health is only as accurate as the last test we just got people who are living with hiv and know their status and know they're undetectable are actually safer sex partners than people who say they're hiv negative but don't really know their status and right because they know and they can't transmit it where
0: yeah, they know for sure. They're like, I got a test this many months wow. ago. Like, bam,
2: I'm taking a med that makes mm-hmm. I can't transmit it where HIV negative yeah. people are like, I'm pretty sure I don't have HIV it's safe enough. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's back to that thing yeah. about like, I don't have any symptoms, so it must be fine.
2: Yeah. Right. So like, this is the place where we're working on stigma so much. It's like, we're in just such a different place than we were. Why are we still using all the thoughts we had in the eighties and nineties? It's everything is different now. Um, we, people who are living with HIV and take their meds cannot transmit the virus. It's amazing. Wow,
0: That, that is amazing.
2: Right. The last prevention strategy I want to talk about, which is like the concept of the day. So it's I'm glad I put it on this list is um, harm reduction. So I kind of talked about like what harm reduction might look like and the different programs that we have are actually, they result in prevention. So um, if you think about a needle program, so people are using needle injection substances, um, they come to say HIV Edmonton and they pick up clean needles, they pick up new needles. They are preventing HIV and Hep C transmission. That's why they're doing that, right? So when we're cutting funding for these programs, we're actually cutting prevention programs. That's what's happening. Um, if we look at opioid agonist therapy, that gets people to a place where they're not injecting on the street, they're, they're getting medications at like a clinic. And so they're reducing HIV and hep C transmission too, right. It, it prevents, you know, it helps support people who are living with addictions and they want to sort of change their relationship to substance use, but it also results in HIV and hep C prevention and syphilis prevention actually too. And then if we look at, um, if we look at supervised consumption sites, we normally think about that as preventing overdose or uh, drug poisonings, but because people have access to new equipment at these facilities, like if you're injecting at a supervised consumption site, you get needles there. It's also preventing HIV, Hep C and syphilis. So. All these things are really linked. Harm reduction, all harm reduction programming is eventually down the road somehow linked to HIV and hep C prevention. And so when we're we're thinking about these programs and we're thinking about maybe we have some fear about having one of these programs in our community, that's saying that we're afraid of preventing both deaths and STBBIs. So, right, like I think we need to check that a little bit. (laughs) Like what, like, okay, we might be afraid of substance use. We might be afraid of having that around us, but... These programs are first of all, people who use substances are great people. They're lovely people. They teach me so many things. I've learned so many things about substance use. I didn't know just by asking people. Oh, yeah. I, I have no idea. <laughs> like I learned so much with this job. Like I didn't know what a bat was. The first time someone asked me what a bat was like for a bat. I thought they were asking me for a baseball bat. And I was like, why do you think we have that here? And they were like, it's a pipe. And I was like, oh.
0: Yeah, I had an old coworker. That I would just ask questions because they in a previous life had been a drug user. And I was like, why, why this? Why that? Why this? And they were like, Oh, well, because
2: <laughs> Right, like there's a reason for everything.
0: Oh yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So like back on my rant, I got distracted from my rant. We might be afraid of, <laughs> of having substance use around us, but at the end of the day, if, if these programs are available, that's a good, that's a great thing for our community. That's preventing these transmissible diseases. Like that is saving lives. Um, and so we, it's important.
0: Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, yeah. I love oh. your rant. That's great. <laughs>
2: this is what happens yeah. when
0: we're very pro rant. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. Although I have to stop myself a lot because otherwise these episodes would be like an hour and a half every single time
2: just because I'm ranting about things I would struggle with that too actually I would be like oh I'm in control of everything okay it's going to be five hours long and 85% of it is going to be me ranting about some social justice issue that cares about me.
0: <laughs> oh yeah guess who does the editing I'm in control <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not in control at all so Kelsey's here for the ride I just show up <laughs> That has its own benefits, though. Like, it really does. Who doesn't love yeah. to coast? That's amazing. I
1: love it. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Especially since Kelsey
0: last week described me as wounded and melancholy. <laughs> but in, like, a complimentary way. Uh, so I It was in balance. a good way.
1: <laughs> it was in a good way. Who isn't
2: wounded and melancholy, though? Like, it's two years of COVID. We're all gay and sad. <laughs> gay and sad.
1: like. That's like a, that should be our slogan
2: for out loud,
0: (laughs) gay and sad. (laughs) I told my mom and she was like, they've got you pegged, kiddo. (laughs) (laughs) Gay and sad. Oh yeah. And on that note, let's talk about gay and happy. Um, Who wants to start with their queer joy for the week? Anybody? Okay, I can. (laughs) Everybody's looking at me. Um, So my career joy is we, uh, Kelsey mentioned this last week, we got to go back to in person with our junior and youth groups this week. And oh my gosh, it was so much joy in one room. It was incredible. Like our juniors were running around in circle quoting the Lorax, but subbing in like, I am the gay, I speak for the gays. And they had like Pride flags in one hand and rainbow pinwheels in the other. And they were just like running around. It was
2: amazing. The pride <laughs> amongst queer youth is just so strong. It makes me so happy. It gives me so much life. I love the gay babies. I'm so happy for you. Oh, that is so-, so much.
0: Yeah. And they were like reading our donations for gender affirming clothing. And they were like, oh my God, I made a friend. And like two of them that met that night left with matching bracelets. Like,
2: Music. It was amazing. Oh. It's so necessary Yay. in person too. Like I think we forget that maybe like it's easy for me to forget that like all these online spaces aren't actually safe if you're not in a safe home. Like if people can hear what's going on on your computer and you're accessing some like program for queer youth, it's not going to be safe actually for a lot of people. So that in person, oh yeah, community is so important. It really is, yeah. It really really is.
1: My queer joy for the week is so dorky. I watched this episode on Netflix last night of this new Getting Curious show with Jonathan Thin Van Ness and the episode I watched was on non-binary and gender non-conforming individuals and let me tell you I have been going through such a journey trying to decide figure out where I fit in this world and that episode made me feel like I can stop trying to figure it out because I don't actually need to fit anywhere and that's totally okay and I am 30 years old and have been trying to maneuver like am I gender fluid am I gender queer am I gender non like who am I in this world because I'm not a woman and then I watched that episode and it was like the boxes that we are, we try to put ourselves into, it was just really validating to get that confirmation on a show on Netflix that like, we don't need to do that anymore. Like, why are we constantly trying to put ourselves into boxes? And I look at how I felt. And like, my girlfriend was like watching me. I was on the edge of my seat like this the whole time. I was in tears a couple of times. It's the episode's like 27 minutes long. Like, but I was like, this is so validating. And I think about that. And I think how validating an episode like that is going to be to a youth going through something like this or a kiddo going through something like this, because like, yeah, I have goosebumps now even just thinking about it, because when you see people that represent you, it literally changes your life. So I don't know why it took me so long to watch it. But yeah, last night I left my couch. I left my couch and went to my bed and was like, I feel like I have a place in this world. And oh. it's just, it's a really powerful feeling, you know? And then again, like you look back to like our youth group that we ran on Tuesday and like, you can see that's, that's how those kiddos felt. And it's just so wild that even at like 30 years old, you can constantly be learning and checking yourself that you don't have to put yourself into these boxes. And like, it's okay to not know and to be different and go us. Yeah, that's- I'm so happy for you. Oh my gosh. Right? We've been maneuvering, Becca and I have been maneuvering this together for a while. <laughs> oh yeah. I changed my pronouns within
0: two days of working it out loud. Um, it was wild. Cause somebody mixed up my pronouns with Kelsey's and called me they, and I was like, you might be onto something friend.
2: <laughs> and it's wild how, like, I think we think as like people who provide services to queer youth that we are like teaching them but I live with three queer youth they teach me so many things about my own identity about how I relate to my gender like yeah it is so like those boxes are really affirming to some people but they also are just like an extension of a binary like it turns into a binary like am I gender fluid or am I not gender fluid instead of just "Eh," which there's so many people's genders who are just like "Eh."
1: I love that yeah thing it's such a vibe (laughs) yeah
2: also Jonathan Van Ness talks a lot about
0: undetectable is untransmissible so there's another bit of representation there
2: maybe is just my hero I remember the first time I saw them I was like I don't know about you this seems like a lot but that's their real personality like that's actually like them so I love it yeah I'm so happy for you thank you (laughs) what's your queer joy Jonah Oh, my queer joy. Um, so this is a little bit silly, it's a little bit. So I have been watching like a lot of straight people TV and I don't know, uh, there's people who are listening to this. I have a mullet, I have a like little baby mullet and watching straight people TV, there's like no mullet representation. And I feel like queers right now, we all have mullets, not all of us, but many of us. And sometimes I just get so sad cause I'm like, no one looks like me, no one has this weird haircut. Like I'm sad. So my queer joy is mullet content. It happens on, like, Drag Race UK sometimes. Like, some of the queer internet shows have mullets, and it makes me feel so much better. And I know that's, like, really silly, but there's just, like, there's something just so affirming about seeing people who look like you, and you're like, I move through the space with this haircut that straight people never tell me they like, which is totally fine. I, but I noticed. And so when I'm around people and there's all these fabulous mullets and like different colors and everybody looks weird. I'm like, okay, That's like, amazing. I'm going to be okay. I can do this. Uh,
1: yeah. I love that. Like mullet content. We all need more of that in our life. It's so true. You don't 100%. see enough mullets. I love them. I couldn't, I never mm-hmm. feel like I could rock one, but like, you've got mad respect from us on this hair. Like I wish
2: i thought that i like i would look at the mullet queers and i was like there's so much cooler than me they can pull that off i would never be able to pull that off i just have this boring man haircut but then i realized the only thing that was standing between me and being a mullet queer is having a mullet There you go. not a mullet i grew it myself so you're the only thing between you and i being a mullet queer is the mullet i promise My girlfriend's gonna be really upset when i show
1: up <laughs> with the mullet (laughs) but I love that like mullet queers there's such a such a vibe gosh every time I see it I'm like you are the most confident type of gay I love it
0: it is the power of the mullet awesome and with all that joy I think we're gonna wrap up today because we went a little longer than normal but that's okay because we learned a whole bunch of cool Mm -hmm. stuff and had a great time Uh, So thank you so much, Jonah, for coming in and teaching us all of your amazing wisdom. Uh, We had a lot of fun. Thank you, Kelsey, for being here with me uh, and for everybody for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, Be kind to yourself and others and we will see you.